good day and welcome to the UEFA Champions League podcast for today. And as always, welcome to the most exciting, informative and educative sports show on the calling platform with yours truly, Philip Alimo. And I have love for sports. On the episode today, we'll be looking at the highlights and reactions from the second set of the round of 16 ties that is done and dusted with Atletico Madrid, Benfica, Chelsea and Villarreal becoming the second four teams to seal a spot in the quarterfinals of this year's competition. Yesterday, all the way in Turin, Villarreal surprised host Juventus by beating them with three unanswered goals. We'll be giving you all the reactions and all the nitty-gritties that you need to know on that. And Chelsea, also all the way in Lille, despite all they've been going through and the turmoil over the last few days, managed to beat Lille by two goals to one to qualify 4-1 on aggregate. We'll give you all the reactions that you need to know on the show right here. First, we'll take you to the first games that were played on Tuesday. Ajax versus Benfica. Benfica beating Ajax by a goal to nil at the Amsterdam Arena. Let's go straight to take reactions from that. Hello everyone, what an atmosphere inside the Johan Cruyff Amsterdam Hello everyone, what an atmosphere inside the Johan Cruyff Arena as two former European champions reconvene in Amsterdam in this finely balanced tie after a pulsating first leg in Lisbon. Ajax led twice, only for Benfica to secure a 2-2 draw, setting up tonight's match perfectly. The Portuguese side making their sixth knockout appearance. They're looking to reach the quarterfinals for the first time in six years, while Ajax did go all the way to the semi-finals three seasons ago. Then rolling it in, Tadic across, great chance, and steered into the back of the net, but the flag goes up straight away, and of course, who else was on the end of it to steer it home on the off chance it might count Sebastian Allaire. A warning sign, isn't it? Look how quickly and slick Ajax moved the ball. Blink does really well to kick him out. He is clearly offside. Here comes once more. It was a reasonable looking opportunity there for Edson Alvarez. I don't think he realised how much time he had on. He's under no pressure at all. Heads it straight into the ground. Got that all wrong. Really should do better. Lay off for Tadic, giving him a slightly better angle, and the header wide from Edson Alvarez. That's the second time he's uh, got his head on it inside the box. Yeah, he slams, slams his hand on the floor. You can see how disappointed I like it. Changed the angle from the corner. Looking for some movement from uh, Tadic. Getting rid of it, Sharpish. Chance to shoot, and hit first time by Berghaus. No save required. I think Tadish just helps this on. I think he just wants to get it in the box, but Berghaus recognises the situation. He holds the top of the box because he knows he's going to get the second ball. 
good possession from Ajax. Ryan Gravenberg, such an exciting talent, going for goal. And it was a brilliant effort as well. He's such an exciting player, isn't he? He likes to go down the outside, but then when the players go that way, he can travel inside, have a stop his, on his preferred foot. And he can't unleash a shot. It's a really good effort. And Fika looking to put a bit of pressure on here as Nuno sends it in. And that was Snickers Otamendi going for it. And that looked like an, an awkward and painful collision there between the three players. Anthony on the near side. Berghaus to Shantanic looks to tee himself up such a confident player isn't he Tadic finds himself in a really good area good step home he's sold Otamende Timber into Masbrowi just by Everton lovely ball by Masbrowi into Anthony sending it Allo's way inside the penalty area ball breaking loose does it get away from Gravenberg tries to force the issue down he goes inside the box referee says no you'll get nothing for that fantastic play wasn't it to work the ball out and I just think Gravenberg he just overruns the ball he can't get the ball on his feet to take a strike so he just keeps having a touch and the momentum takes him forward there wasn't contact there on him though was no. there Gravenberg in there towards Anthony header away by Grimaldo and by Otamendi in it goes again. Gravenberg strikes it against Julian Weigel from point blank range. Nothing Weigel could possibly have done about that. No, not at all. But I do think our heads need to speed up the play round the box. Layup by Rafa Silva, the chase for Gonzalo Ramos. Is he clipped by Alvarez? It's just a little thing about it, raising the flag. Yes, in Amsterdam, Nunez stunned the home fans with that brilliant header. His 26th goal of the season in all competitions. Tonight, with me in the studios, as European football expert, Justin Akowa, 
with us. Mr. Justin, what is your assessment of that game in Amsterdam with Ajax Ericton? Hawkside going out after doing all the hard work at the group stages and where it mattered most, they fizzled out. Well, I don't think um, it's it's surprising from Ajax. Um, as as I spoke about their troubles recently, of um, looking very weak at the back end, conceding some goals, it looked like um, it was something that Benfica has also taken notice of and realized they were there for the taking. So even though Ten Hag's earlier form was very very good. Um, Winning all games, Ale destroying everything he saw in his sights. Uh, it looked like it was still a game that was very, very cagey in tight. And even in the first leg, you saw you saw Benfica coming back twice against Ajax, and that also showed the kind of resolve that Benfica has. And as a team who had who had been able to progress into the final sixteen in a group containing Barca. Bayern Munich as well as Dynamo Kiev, they they also look like they had something to prove. And by knocking out Ajax, this shows how well they've done, and it shows that they've been able to go to Netherlands twice this season in in Europe, and have kept clean sheets in both games. And they've done it where they seem to be like um, they seem to be not the favorites in both ties. And, they have they have they have done it very well and it's a it's a it's a very nice achievement to knock out a team with such such um such a, a very rich history like um, Ajax. Definitely it is a brilliant, brilliant achievement from Benfica. Nobody gave them a dog's chance in this season's Champions League. After the game, we caught up with Ukrainian striker Roman. Yeremchuk, to hear from him what he makes of Benfica's qualification and the situation in his country. Talk to me about how you would sum up that game tonight. You guys had to sit real deep and hang on, but you got it over the line. It's. A, I think we have great group. We have great players. Uh, a lot of players uh, have a lot of quality. We have dream and fight for each other on the pitch. So today was a hard game for us, of course, but uh, we go to next round. You came off the bench. What was the coach saying to the team, though, at half-time? Because a lot of pressure came from Ajax. Uh, yes, uh, we feel it. It was high pressure from Ajax. It, for me, was important to keep the ball, to find possibility for, for my players, from up, uh, for my friends, and try to, to score goals. So we score, it's most important. Just finally... Obviously, right now, it must be an incredibly difficult time for you to play football. How do you how do you cope right now in this situation? You know, uh, this is so so difficult question for me, but uh, I'm professional. I need to I need to fight here. I need to fight on the pitch. My friends fight in Ukraine. My my people fight in Ukraine, and I need to fight here. I do everything what I can. I cannot fight, but I can fight here on the pitch. So I do what I can, try to to show my country in, in the football, and uh, 
I, of course, I think so much about this situation, but Rob, it's like this. We send you all the very best. Thank you very much. much. Thank you. Thank you for this. Yes, that is Roman Yaremchek speaking to us in that interview. Another game that took place on Tuesday all the way in the city of Manchester was Manchester United versus Atletico Madrid. Before we go to Old Trafford to pick excerpts of that game and take reactions, let's hear from Mr. Kowa his general assessment of that game and Atletico's Madrid's victory, what it meant for the competition. Well, um, I believe that this this time this time was this time was um, was was going to go either way and it was slightly contested. And if you remember me saying that we do not know which kind of Atletico to expect, if it's going to be the Atletico against the Juventus in the second leg or the the, the Atletico that played at Anfield that played probably the last game at Anfield before the whole pandemic shut down everything um, in 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 world football. So we we actually got to see the Atletico that featured at Anfield very solid, very resolute in how they play, with how they defend and and for the first time in a long time you could see that you could see that goalkeeper Jan Oblak who has had probably a very, very poor um, campaign this season as compared to his normal standards. He 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 did not have one he wasn't having his best season and probably had one of his best games this season with pulling off very, very brilliant saves to keep out Manchester United and with their defence to also looking as solid as they usually do, um, forcing or restricting Manchester United to only one shot on target in the second half of a second leg with a team that has Cristiano Ronaldo, who is the all-time top goal scorer in the Champions League. And these, these, are, these are great feats by um, Diego Simeone as a coach and has shown has shown why he is one of the longest reigning managers in the top five European leagues. And I think this and I and I and I and I and I believe that this kind of performance is something that should actually ginger at at um, Atletico Madrid to be able to progress not only in the Champions League but also in the Spanish La Liga because this was this was a very, very good performance from the front to the back, um, Rodrigo de Paul, Hector Herrera, who hardly plays and who is leaving um, Atletico Madrid at the end of the season to Houston Dynamo. Joao, Joao, Joao Felix also looked like he was he was he was he was getting back into his old his old form just just before facing um, just, just, just before featuring in the World Cup playoffs. So this this is this is this is collectively very good. For Atletico Madrid, it looks like everyone is everyone is getting back to their old selves, and hopefully they go far in the tournament. Definitely, hopefully they go far in the tournament. But one team that is certain not to go far this season is Manchester United. For the first time, Cristiano Ronaldo, in over a long time, will finish the season without a silverware in his career. We'll come back to the studios. And speak to Mr. Justin Akowa on what he makes of Manchester United's future. But first, we'll take excerpts of that game from Old Trafford. We'll hear from Ralph Rudnick and as well as David Degea caught up with us. Also, after the game, we'll hear their reactions in this 
episode. As a billboard in the city used to proclaim, welcome to Manchester. Welcome in particular to Old Trafford, which is bouncing. An historic stadium that takes on a, a new life of its own for fixtures and evenings like this one. Manchester United, Atletico Madrid, 1-1 in the first leg in Madrid three weeks ago. It is perfectly balanced, really hard to confidently predict a winner and a feeling that we could be going the full distance, extra time, penalties, the works. It's Bruno Fernandes head up looking for the ball in. Oh. Arne Langer hasn't managed to turn it in. What a chance for Manchester United. Bruno Fernandes to Ilanga was the combo that worked for them in the first leg, but not that time. Here's the cross from Bruno Fernandes, and it's in the face of, of Black. Here come Atletico. Into Griezmann. Good tackle, that from Maguire. De Paul has a go. Super safe to Heia. Rodrigo De Paul, that fly, and it nearly flew all the way. Well, the look on David De Gea's face really tells a story. I don't think he quite knew where that ball was going. It had a little bit of spin and swerve on it. It just dipped right at the last minute. That's going in the top corner. That's a heck of a save. It's a really good save. It had a deflection as well. Look at the spin on it off Fred. That's what threw David De Gea. It's a brilliant reaction save. Okay. Managed to resist McTominay's attempt to get the ball. And then plays a slider all pass for Llorente. Across to Jao Felix. That's had a counter, but it's not going to count. The flag is up. Let's I'm see. I'm not sure if it's this pass here to Llorente, whether it's when he squares it to Jao Felix. Is it that one? That's the one, isn't it? That's, That's the one. Very tight. And then this one here. Nothing wrong with that. No. Jao Felix is onside. Just when we were talking about how comfortable they are being suppressed in their own half and being up against it they produce moves like that with real quality that is a fraction from being a goal scored for Atletico Madrid they are the cobras of the game played through by Depau João Felix does have runners arriving now Griezmann looking for Renan Lodi 1-0 Atletico the flag has stayed down this time. The Brazilian was just waiting for the ball to arrive. He was in the right place for quite some time. Cristiano Ronaldo almost moved to tears by the frustration at having so much of the game and yet being behind. Just as we were talking about how Manchester United have played and how indifferent they see the fouls they're complaining about. I'm not too sure there's anything in that. But this pass here from Depaul what a ball that is. The weight of that pass is absolutely world-class. And then the chip to the back post. It's absolutely brilliant goal. I will say, so well worked. Very similar to the one that was disallowed for offside in terms of quality. Similar kind of move. Great weight of pass. It's a good header. Down into the ground. Does everything right technically. Harry Maguire is insistent as are all in red, that it should have been a free kick for the little nudge on Ilanga. For my money, Ilanga was already going down to ground. I think he was expecting the contact. And yes, the contact came. There was contact from Ranildo, but I think he's trying to buy that foul. Sancho has got to go in the box now. Fred. Bruno Fernandes. 
Dallo. Somebody has to hit it. Bruno Fernandes is going to do that. And Oblak has to get down to save. Almost a home sting in the tail before the break. He just shifted his feet to the right-hand side there for a moment. Oblak, I thought that the swerve on the ball was going to catch him out. McTominay going right again. Ilanga, the dart from Dallo. The cross from Dallo. Sancho! Hit it too hard. Well, a real bit of pace about this move. Good interchange. They get wide. And there's Sancho. It's not a bad strike, you know. It's always rising. Not an easy ball to hit. Over it comes. What a save, Oblak! And another one. I think it was going wide from Ronaldo, but that first save from Varane was magnificent. Jimenez for once just drops off a little bit too far. Doesn't get close enough to Varane and he just glances that head up. But it's so close to Oblak, he really has to react quickly. It's an excellent save, plenty of pace on the ball, gets a good hand to it. Manchester United haven't quite had what it takes to find a way through and their European season is done and Diego Simeone is on the run to the dressing room taking a fair bit of stick from Manchester United supporters on the way it's a celebratory run though for the Argentinian his team have put in one of their classic displays once they were 1-0 up it's Atletico Madrid into the quarterfinals, 2 on an aggregate on the night, Manchester United nil, Atletico 1. Yes, 2 1 on the night. We hear from Manchester United coach Ralph Rednick. He spoke to us after the game. Your exit for the Champions League tonight, I mean, what can you make of that display? Well, I think we played uh, very. I think we played a very good first half, exactly the way that we wanted to play. Um, high energy level, uh, most of the, the game in the first half took place in their half. Um, but unfortunately, we couldn't convert that energy into uh, one or two goals. We hit the crossbar, we had another one or two good moments where we could have scored or should have scored, but uh, we didn't. And then conceding that uh, one con counter-attacking goal uh, short before half-time didn't make uh, life any easier for us. And in the second half, it was it was difficult. I think uh, I don't think that the game went for more than three minutes in, 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 a, in a go. It was always interrupted, somebody lying on the floor. I think also some curious refereeing decisions. I wouldn't say in the end uh, that they were decisive, but at least he fell too often for those time-wasting antics and uh, in the end four minutes extra time was just a joke for me but anyway very good first half second half again was uh, difficult to find the rhythm again you threw I've just been talking to David Hey, you threw everything at them five subs that I mean, one batter was on for Harry Maguire so I mean you tried everything you just couldn't unlock them was, was there a specific reason for that apart from the athletic goal well we know that they are good in defending uh, in defending leads uh, lead, when they are 1-0 up uh, yeah we had one or two moments in the second half after set pieces uh, brilliant save by the goalkeeper after the header we had but uh, in total we were fully aware that it's important against this team that you score the first goal yourself the goal 
their goal. Do you feel the defending was at fault? I mean, you were caught on the counter. There was a foul in the build-up as well. Was there an issue? For me, that was a foul for sure on Anthony Alanga, but uh, yeah, the referee and the linesman didn't see it that way. And uh, as I said, that was the only really dangerous moment apart from the offside goal that, that they scored. Apart from that, we defended well. Also, their transitional moments, um, we were compact. Uh, we were energetically on a high level. So, as I said, in the first half, there is uh, nothing that I can blame the team for. On the bigger picture, you've been here for four months. United haven't won a trophy for coming more towards five years now. How do, how do you bridge that gap to, to City, to Liverpool, to, to get past this kind of stage? Have you got a grand plan? Are well, you, I you think it's, it's now too early. We still have another nine games to play in, in, in the Premier League uh, and uh, we'll try everything to finish off the season on, on the highest possible level, if possible, qualify for Champions League again. We're fully aware that in order to achieve that, we need to win most of those nines. But uh, right now, think about uh, how can we close the gap to the top teams. It's For me, too early. My focus is on finishing the highest possible level with this team and then there isn't time to speak about other things. So that is Ralph Rednick speaking about the team's performance on the night. Another long-serving member of the Manchester United team, David Digger, also caught up with us after the game. Let's hear from him. Painful night, the end of the Champions League campaign. I mean, what can you say about it tonight? They were really disappointed with, disappointed with the with the result. Uh, well, it's difficult to describe the words how we feel now at the moment. Uh, but uh, we didn't, we did not enough in both games to 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 win this. We were not the best, but it's a very disappointed day for us. You threw everything at them. You were not front and the lines. It was a night of tension. It didn't quite get going, did they? I think they are. A team with a lot of experience. Uh, they know how to play games, league games, tight games. They scored and it's a very sick team. So it was very tough for us to to create chances. To we don't create many chances. So this is football. This is Champions League, and we are out of the one of the most important competitions. And so we are really, really sad. Yeah, as you say, and giving them that gold advantage that gives them something to hang on to they're very good at disrupting a game aren't they of course as soon as they score the goal they they put the whole team uh, uh, behind the uh, in front of a black uh, 10 players there defensive very defensive team and it's very difficult to score goals against them but we try we try until the end but it's not enough enough to, to score that would be important one. Any complaints about the first goal because there was a, a foul on Alanga possibly in the build-up? No, don't want to, to say anything about the the referee. I think everyone watch it. Cannot say anything that what what happened and we cannot cannot change. So this is football. Like I say, it wasn't enough to to beat Atletico. No silverware again for another season for United. That's maybe five years now. It's not good enough for this club, is it? Of course, it's not good enough. It's it's hard. It's, uh, it's hard for for the club, for for us, for the fans. It's really hard. Uh, this is where we are at the at the moment. Difficult situation, and we need to keep fighting, keep keep trying our best. But to be honest, it's a it's a tough moment again. I feel sad. I feel sad. I feel uh, for the fans as well and for everyone. But we are not not good enough. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Yes, Manchester United 
were not good enough on the day. And David Gea admits. Mr. Kowa, what do you make of that interview from Ralph Rudnick and David Gea? Well, I believe that uh, Radnick, um, as you know, he has to protect his side. Um, he has to protect his team and not throw his place un- un- under the passes that will kill morale because even though they are out of the chances of winning any silverware, they are still in the running for a top four place. So even though they, they, they do not perform as well as we everyone expects Manchester United to be, you have to protect them and probably um probably speak about how um atletico were wasting time as they are they they have they are known for doing that but then you should know that is an um is a is is the knockout faces and um, for a team should come from the la liga to england to score and lead by a goal to nil to one of the best teams who has one of the best goal scorers or the best goal scorer in world football and to hold them and um, show show a little bit of time wasting, you should know that it will be expected if they do it. And you know that once you let them score first, um, it will be very difficult for you to be able to equalize. And and that was what probably Ragnik wasn't ready ready for um, that, that kind of possibility of Atletico taking the lead and that's and that shows how that shows how Manchester United have to be able to raise their level and be and be playing or be performing like the kind of team they have always been. So then, this is what so this is what Manchester United should look at. And probably for me, um, I I do not agree about the foul leading to the goal where Elanga was fouled by Renaudo um, because I believe that he was going down already and. He was he 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 threw some of his body weight on Renaudo trying to buy a cheap foul there because he had he had lost out on the on the duel. So then it was it was it was it was a it was a good call by the referee. But I probably think that during the game the referee was too lenient. But then you should know that it is it is how knockout football is, and you know that you have to do your best as you know you have to do what it takes to win and win by all means and that was what Diego Simeone and his men did and for United is a is I think I think it, I am for not um, going trophyless for the fifth year I think it is another big conversation to have and that is not a conversation to have tonight. I definitely it's not a conversation to have tonight but uh this is your authoritative sports show and looking at Manchester United now do you think Cristiano Ronaldo was the solution for Manchester United this season when they signed him during the summer. Another school of thought believes Manchester United's problem goes beyond signing. It has to do with the philosophy of the club and the heritage of the club. Four years ago, Jose Mourinho, then coach of the club, called the club out and asked for time to build a certain legacy. Do you think today, Jose Moreno was right with his call for Manchester United? Well, I, I, I think that I, I think that the whole, 
the whole team or the whole organization is in is in is in shambles as they are trying to rediscover what they have what what they possessed um, when Sir Alex Ferguson was coaching. I and I and not and not trying to go into this quite and not trying to go into this quite um far. I would I would also like to say that it was probably for me, I think that I think that with how Manchester United were building and they made top four twice in a row, made an Europa League final and not winning the Europa League final. I believe that Manchester United as a team were growing very, very well. But then with the re with the re-signing of Ronaldo back into the team brought up a huge uh, amount of pressure that had everyone's eyes on the team way more than expected. And with this kind of and with this kind of pressure comes with a lot of expectations and a lot of um, um, a, a lot of feet on their necks for players who are developing, who are now being um, finding their feet um, in terms of st- um, stability that they haven't found post Alex Ferguson. Um, I think the Ronaldo sign actually did them more harm than good and and even though Ronaldo has been exceptional in some games this season, I believe that um, probably with Bruno, without Bruno Fernandes, Cavani, um, Luke Shaw, um, Rashford, as well as um, Mason Greenwood was was um, carrying the team, they 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 would have they would have found a sort of natural progression where they would have found a younger striker to to add to their to their already devastating um, attack because under under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, they were very very good at being able to beat teams on the counter. They were very they were they were probably for me up there with Liverpool in terms of um, devastating counter attacks very quick and they knew how to hit teams who usually pinned Manchester United back into their opponent's box and with any turnover you would you know that if the ball gets to Bruno or gets to Greenwood you are in you are in a lot of trouble. And with this and 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 with this and with this kind of with this kind of topic you've brought up I going 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 into it will take another episode so it wouldn't be best but then I believe that signing signing Ronaldo isn't wasn't wasn't the best of wasn't the best of um, decisions as they actually destroyed natural progression for the team. Definitely, definitely. I agree with you. Another team that didn't have a good time is Juventus. Last night, they lost to Villarreal. Let's go straight to the Juventus Stadium in Turin to get excerpts of that game. Welcome to the Allianz Stadium in Turin for this UEFA Champions League round of 16 second leg match between Juventus and their visitors from Spain, Villarreal. It was a very entertaining draw three weeks ago in the first leg, 1-1. tie beautifully set up for an exciting evening. Excellent ball in from Cuadrado. Morata was showing plenty of interest in that. Where is a full stretch? Vivic just clears the space and Morata attacks centrally. Vichilio, good crossing position here. Cuadrado. 
there would be an international four cross came in because there was two options centrally and he pulled it behind the two centre forwards. And to better cross, brilliant save from Rooney to deny Morata. Back in again by Morata, more comfortable this time, but Geronimo really producing a fine save here to deny Juventus the opening goal. He's just unmarked at the back post. Sergio Aurier is too close to his centre-half. Morata pulls away to the far post, but well kept out by Rudy. This is Rabiot, into the path of Vlaivic. It's got a drop now for Morata. Guadalajara took over, it's Vlaivic. Well, too many cooks there for Juventus, and a great chance goes begging. Well, Vlaivic's run was brilliant. He was found by Rabiot, but then when the ball popped around, I think that Morata got in the way as Guadalajara arrived and was about pull the trigger and all of a sudden he couldn't he couldn't shoot good ball by Morata here's Vlaivic two for company goes for goal it's excellent positioning there from Rulli right on the edge of his six yard box close the angle down there for Vlaivic comfortable save really it's your distance on the punch to the Argentine goalkeeper well, to good goalkeeper his, his angles were superb just that Ball turn around the corner from Morata into the path of Vlaivic. He comes back onto his strong left foot. Fierce drive. Good save. Moscoso missing his kick. Driven in by Aurier. Not troubling Chesney. That's a chance for the Celso. With his left foot, he'll be hoping to certainly strike it on target. He goes through his legs, Oreo with a follow-up while Morata looking to the referee for a possible penalty. Well he's hit the deck. I think uh, maybe his, his legs were caught, but it was totally accidental. Really well coached by Une Emery. Out of possession here. Long range to test really. Stings the hands, but no more. Yeah, Rabiot fierce strive, but straight at Rudy. Here come Juventus once more. Found just a little bit of freedom there, Rabiot. Deflection sends it behind for the second half's first corner. Well, prepared to take the shot on again. Abel gets the block, corner kick. Quadrado, long way out, really covering his right-hand post, had it been on target, he would have got there. I think they'd be happy with that, Villarreal, Juve resorted to longer-range efforts. About to enter the final quarter of an hour of the 90, Coquelin held up, what a good challenge that was. They're asking for a penalty, but I thought that Rugani got the ball. Referee had a good view of it, VAR will be all over this, but Villarreal to a man convinced that they should have a penalty here. Didn't get much on the ball there, Rugani. First angle was deceiving. No, he got none of the ball. But how much did he get Conklin? And it was theatrical to die. By drawing the referee to the review area, they're suggesting VAR, headed up by Tomasz Kibiakowski, penalty to Villarreal Moreno up against Chesney oh and he nearly saved it but the hand not strong enough and Villarreal this 
tiny club from eastern Spain in the den of Juventus in Turin and they lead by a goal to nil Gerard Moreno might enjoy it even more now they do Pau Torres and surely that will put Villarreal through to the quarterfinals the big centre back it's the perfect set piece and Juventus are in real danger now Allegri side of going out in the last 16 for the second successive season Oh, and it's one here by Moreno. You can put the gloss on it now. Gerard Moreno. Still the chances there. Capua joins up. They're light at the back. Juventus. Danjuma. Penalty. Penalty kick. Handball against Delict. Delict has died to block the shot. He gets a yellow card for that. But that is now game set match. And Unai, every substitution of Moreno has been vital. He steps up, takes the penalty. He wins the ball here from Danilo and then has the composure just to wait for supporting players. The referee Marciniak gave the correct call and Danjuma. Well, this is a scoreline which will raise eyebrows right around the European continent. Maybe not so much in the little town of Villarreal in eastern Spain because this is an ambitious club. They want to be more and more at this level. Simon Marciniak draws the match to a conclusion. It's right up there with one of the best results in Villarreal's history. 3-0 on the night for Villarreal and they will go through to the last. So Villarreal beating Juventus 3-0 on the night. Villarreal just with a population of 50,000 people. Yes, it is a very small town in the eastern part of Spain. Stand, Italian champions, Juventus. Dan Juma caught up with us after the game. Let's hear from him and we'll come back to the studios to hear from Mr. Ko as well. Arno, congratulations. How does that feel? Thank you very much. Uh, the feeling is uh, unbelievable, undescribable. Um, I don't really have words. <laughs> I'm just uh, filled with contentment and happiness at the moment. If someone said to you a year ago when you were playing in the championship that 12 months on you'd be scoring a goal in a 3-0 win at Juventus, what would, what would you have said to them then? I would say uh, the sky is the limit. Always aim high. Um, if you look back to the interviews, I always, uh, I'm always confident in my team, confident in my coach, confident in myself. And the sky's the limit. I mean, I work really hard, and if you work hard, you always get the reward. Uh, <laughs> if, if it's not soon as late, uh, work really hard. And I'm just really happy, uh, happy with the result today, happy that I'm on the score sheet again. And obviously, uh, it's been a bumpy ride from, uh, from now until the last 12 months. But I'm really looking ahead. I mean, it's, 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 it's a great win, but I'm already looking ahead and, and wanting to win more. You mentioned you're on the score sheet. Had you already decided that you would be tempted if it came along? You saw Gerard take the first one. <laughs> In my head, I had decided that I had to kindly and politely ask Gerard, am I allowed to take this one? And he gave it to me. Uh, so I need to thank my teammates for it as well, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy happy with uh, with the goal. If it's a penalty, if it's uh, if it's a tap in, if it's a, a wonder goal, for me, they all, they all count, they're all plus one. So I'm really happy with every goal I made. So that is Dan Juma speaking to us in that interview, saying the sky is the limit a year ago. The Dutch international was playing in the championship. Mr. Kowa, what is your general assessment of that performance in Turin 
from Villarreal and United Emery, who is qualifying for the first time to the, semi, to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Well, we know Unai Emery as a coach who, as a coach who is very solid and likes and and likes the tag of an underdog. Um, if you if you follow this journey throughout um, Valencia as well as Sevilla and now at Villarreal, he likes you. Now you have the sense of belief that he does what are teams where people tend to tend to not try, who are just just below the elite teams in a certain country and. This is what he is doing with Villarreal right now. After winning the Europa League now, he has helped Villarreal progress and beaten one of the best teams in Europe, um, that is Juventus. But now for a team who who have been shaky a bit um, after the, the, the departure of Ronaldo, Unai Emery found the right opportunity to pounce on onto, on, um, onto Juventus and actually do do his best to actually limit limit their goal scoring chances and not allow them to be able to do what they usually do because if you followed Massimiliano Allegri's resurgence of Juventus, it has been a very very steady and a very slow progression of the team. They have not been they they they, they have not hit their height yet, but then they've been able to do a little bit. A little bit of um, Im- improvement, and they've entered the top four in the Italian league, and that should tell that Juventus are actually getting back to what they are little by little. But then you see how Una Emery was able to limit Dusan Vlahovic as well as Alvaro Morata in in their in their penalty box, and that should tell you a very very great perf- performance from Ruli as well as Serge Ori as well as Paul Torres. Um, they were very, they were very, very solid, and you could, you can go on and on and mention the contributions of Giovanni Lucelso as well as Danny Parejo. They, 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 they did their absolute best, and also they were able to, they were, they were able to, they were able to limit and not, and not, and not be, and not be exposed too much to Juventus's firepower because Dusan Vlaovic has been one of the most productive forwards in the European top five leagues and scoring for fun and being able and him and him limited in in the second leg in Turin that was a very very great feat for Una Emery so congratulations to him and Juventus will have to come back next season stronger but then for now we actually we actually congratulate the yellow submarines on making the final eight in this year's champion definitely another player that stood out for uh, Villarreal was Nigerian international Chuku Eze. What do you make of his performance in that game? Well, I don't. Well, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I I I, I wouldn't want to um, credit standout performances in this in this um, in this situation because, as you know, Villarreal everyone does their part in terms um, in in in. in in, in terms it's of it's a teamwork. It's a yeah, teamwork. They are they are very collective with how they work, and 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 you could tell because um, if you if you followed before the game, Gerard Moreno wasn't fully fit, so um, Danjuma took up the spot of playing up forward, and he had to work his socks of pressing um, Giorgio Chiellini as well as um, Matthias Delict and um, very very well, and 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 you could tell that after every after every shift. Um, there's there's a player who comes on and does his part, and 
that was what Samochuku Ezetu was able to do, being able to help on on defense and as well as and as well as show and as well as show his prowesses when they when they break. And you could see that during their um, third goal, where um, where they won the penalty with a with a lovely breakaway, he knew that the game was well and out of Juve's hands, and he had to do his best to progress the ball into into the into the penalty box of of Juventus and and you could and, and now you can tell that um Augustin Eguavon will be pleased to to see that his his winger is is now coming back to his old self and also adding a lot of defensive acumen and um, to his to his to his specialty and that is what every modern coach would like to see a, a player who likes to get back on defense press as well as also give him and progressive and very, very good runs up front. Definitely, definitely. Another team that has been able to make good progress despite the turmoil they are currently going through is Chelsea. Yesterday, they beat Lille 2-1 in Lille. In that game, Christian Pulisic was on the score sheet and he becomes the all-time American top scorer in the history of the Champions League with seven goals. This is also the first time two players from the U.S. men's national team get to play against each other in the Champions League. That is Timothy Weir for Lille and Christian Pulisic for Chelsea. We take excerpts of that game. Northern France just near the border with Belgium where the holders of the UEFA Champions League, Chelsea, are well set to continue their defence of the crown as they arrive here with a 2-0 lead from the first leg in London. One of the papers in France had a headline saying that the hosts are at the foot of the mountain going into this game tonight, and certainly their chances of getting back into the tie haven't been helped by the absence of key man Renato Sanchez due to injury. But the home supporters are certainly doing their bit tonight. It is the first time that this stadium has hosted a Champions League knockout round tie and they're definitely going to make the most of it. Just in case you're not aware, because it is still a relatively recent change, no away goals. Here's Yilmaz meanwhile trying to find a goal and it hits Thiago Silva and goes behind. It was certainly travelling from Burak Yilmaz. That was a chance. Was it? It's good pressure in midfield. It's clipped in, and Mendy gets a hand to it. Back in once again by David. Not convincing defending from Chelsea. They're asking for a ball in there. Might be the first time that Massimiliano Irati, the VAR, gets involved tonight. This means that they're checking for a potential handball. And the fact that they've stopped play suggests that this might well be given. It's Jorginho. And he just pushes his arm down on the ball. Massimiliano Irati has informed his compatriot Davide Massa that he should go and have a look at the monitor. Obviously, he didn't get a decent look at it because it was at quite close quarters. I don't think there's enough there to suggest that this is going to be given. Hasn't needed to see it too many times, and I think we know what's coming next. It's a Lille penalty. And it's an avenue back into the tie for the home side. So Barak Yilmaz making his first start since mid-February. 
with the pressure penalty to give Lille a foothold in the tie. It's Yilmaz, and it's a goal. And Lille are back to within one goal of Chelsea. They've made a lot of noise before the game. It gets even louder now. Rudiger with the carry. Now it's Alonso. Last minute of additional time. There's a wall of red in front of them, though, that Chelsea are finding it hard to penetrate. Jorginho has managed to pick the lock here. Pulisic! Oh, that is brilliant! Chelsea level on the night. And with a two-goal lead in the tie once again, after Thomas Tuchel's men managed to find a way through, and Pulisic guided the ball through. Goodmanson. No room to work, but trying to create some here. Alonso should deal with it, but hasn't done so. Bamber works it back for Andre. Bamber again. Well, he's done well, and has got a decent-looking ball. Mendy was scrambling. He certainly was. Well, in the space of 60 seconds, Lille have been able to put three balls into the box, and it's very unusual that Chelsea don't deal with that well. First, John and David had a clear header, and now Yilmaz, rising above Chalapar, isn't far away. A lot of reorganising to do. But first, a free kick to defend. Alonso strikes it. And it's poor. Asking for handball. They don't get that. They normally got a goal on the volley, though, from Rudiger's hit goalwards. What a hit this is. On the half volley. He's running away from goal. That would have been very special. And it goes and off the post. Chelsea caught napping and very, very nearly punished. What a ball in from Yilmaz. And arriving late from midfield, Xhaka gets there ahead of his teammate oh he's so unlucky pinged by Thiago Silva well won by Alonso and it's broken for Mason Mount three in the area to aim for and here's Aspilicueta and that is Chelsea through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League the holders making safe passage into the last eight as their skipper delivers what could be the final blow to Lille's hopes in the competition. They battled hard, but Chelsea have shown their class with a couple of very well-crafted goals. Golo Conte, he's got numbers up here, slips it through, Alonso, good block. Leo Jardim out to spread himself well. The holders take a step towards defending their crown. It wasn't straightforward. But in the end, they secure their passage through to the quarterfinals. They will take their place in... So that game ending 2-1 in favour of Chelsea. We caught up with Thomas Tuchel, the coach of Chelsea, to get his impression of what the win meant for him and the current situation Chelsea are currently going through as a club with their club owner, Roman Abramovich. To the travelling fans, yeah, there. Brilliant. Very satisfying performance. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, and so nice that so many fans are here and and uh, took the travel and uh, and to support the team feels brilliant because you know we're in the we're getting quarterfinals. 
is a big step and uh, showed again resilience and mentality and overcame difficulties. Um, yeah, we, we did what was necessary and, and, and digged in and, and uh, got a deserved win. It's difficult here and, and we did what was needed, so well done to the team. And added satisfaction for you dealing with so many different things at the time, sanctions, yes. complications. Well, I, tell you, I think, like, the, you know, the Chelsea has, has this kind of um, culture in, within the club, within the building where we work every day. So what I found from day one is this, like, football first mentality. Everybody pushes the first team every three days to the limit. Everybody goes to the limit and is focused on, on football and football first. And, and then, of, of course, we, we try to implement an atmosphere, but, but this is the culture. And this culture is already installed, and this helps us now to focus when the times are difficult, when times are distracting, because it's already there. We don't need to install it now. And, of course, we encourage the players, and, of course, we, I feel part in, in, like in, a, in, in, in all of this. But I'm also just a part, and that's why it feels so good that we can still produce results. I'm very proud. Perfect timing with the equaliser. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, made things complicated. We're not so good in first half. Not so fluid. The pitch was horrible, by the way. Absolutely horrible. Made things very, very complicated for us. It's brand new pitch, but not ready to play on. Um, tactics were not so right today, even in, in the first uh, 20 minutes. So I take the responsibility for that. And then it was more fluid. And within the moments where we started to play better, playing through the gaps... Having uh, finding better spaces exactly in these two moments, we were decisive and scored. So yeah, but it was uh, very important to calm everybody down. We were a bit lucky with uh, with a post, of course, but this, these things happen. I've been talking to you, Skipper Cesar, and you've got you've had plenty of reasons to drop the level of performance, plenty of distractions, plenty of excuses yes. if you wanted it, but no sign of that tonight. No, 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 because, I mean, he plays since, since what, since 12, 15 years here. He is used to focus on football, and that's why it's... I think that's the key point why it's possible now to stay focused, because the, the club has a mentality that sharpens the attitude, that sharpens the mind of the players. If you are in there like our skipper for so many years, you do what is, is needed, you step up, and, and it, it, it's, 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 it's normal to focus. And that makes it possible to, to focus even in difficult times. And now what? I mean, do you hope and expect to carry on in the competition? Is that just a... Sure, sure. Sure, we hope and we, we expect uh, to carry on. We were here today. We want, uh, we want to compete. We uh, took a lot of sacrifice and, and we fight hard to be in the last eight. It's a huge step to be again in the last eight. And, uh, yeah, we hope now. We, we are, like, excited for the draw now. And... Uh, and, and then we have a game in Middlesbrough <laughs> three days later, so enough to do. So that is Thomas Tuhal speaking to us in that interview. We caught up again with the captain of the side. Let's hear from him what he makes of his winning goal and the current situation the club is facing. Confusing days for Chelsea, but you must be delighted to come through that tonight. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, it has not been a, a normal last few weeks, but, uh, you know, we have to deal with what uh, we, it's in our hands, which is uh, 
train the best we can, be ready for the games. We are coming, uh, you know, we are playing every three days, uh, difficult games. We know how difficult is the Champions League, and tonight it was a difficult game. So, of course, we are happy to, to go through and to win again. And your goal wrapped it up, kneed it in nicely. It was beautifully done. <laughs> I just, I just put the leg, and uh, I went with my with my knee. You know, of course, I'm happy. I'm not, uh, I'm not very used to score goals. Uh, you know, so we see the, the winning goal and to go through for to the quarterfinals. I think the last Champions League goal was against Lille two and a half years ago. So yeah, happy <laughs> it was, it was. But yet, but after the penalty, you had to stand up to some pressure, didn't you, in that first half? I think the first half. We didn't start very well. I think they were very active. They, they, they had a lot of time to prepare the game. We knew that uh, it was it was going to be difficult. Uh, we Sometimes we play uh, in the spaces. Sometimes we made as well a few mistakes. So we allowed them to, to counter-attack. They are dangerous. But I think the reaction after the penalty was good. We scored before half-time. Perfect timing, wasn't it? It was, it was the right time because uh, when you if you go one nil down at half time we knew that the second half would be very difficult. Yeah, it felt a very different game coming out for the second half. But after the run of results, it's pretty impressive. You could you could have found plenty of excuses and reasons not to play well this Chelsea side, but no sign of that to us. That's not us. You know, this group fights uh, against everything. We know that uh, we have to do the best we can on the pitch. That's what we do. We have our fans here. We are all together, we stick together in the difficult times and hopefully we end up uh, having a very good season. And when, when a club and when the squad are in a difficult situation, it can it also bring players even closer together, can't it? Yeah, and you know, that's that, that also the, the, the case of players not playing, you know, it's, it's everything outside the noise that uh, sometimes it's, you know, it, it could be maybe easier to just let it go, lose their focus, but uh, as I said before, that's not us, uh, we do everything we we can that we have in our hands and from there we have to to keep playing every three days difficult games and hopefully have a good end of the season. The champions, that's motivation enough, isn't it? Hold it is, on to it that is. It is Thank you, Cesar. Thank you. Yes, that is Caesar speaking to us. Mr Kowa, what is your assessment of everything that has transpired in Lille, the north of France? Well, um as I said, the that game was going to be a game of um, game management because Chelsea went in leading by two goals to nil. But then um, Govnek, um, that's the coach of Leo, felt like they had a chance. And they actually did because after Andreas Christensen got injured, with Chaluba being introduced, within one minute of his introduction, he was booked for a bad um, a bad foul just, um, just outside the box on the left-hand side or on on Leo's left hand side, right? Um there was a free kick where they 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 floated the ball in and they caught and they caught Jorginho um lacking where he considered a penalty and as you know um, um whenever whenever Chelsea concedes a penalty and you do not have Kepa in there you have low a low probability of the penalty being saved and Burakiomas took um took advantage and scored a very, very well-taken penalty. But then, um, as you know, Chelsea were able to come back with their resolve and they were able to draw level just just before half-time with Christian Pulisic probably sealing the deal from there and with and with um, Cesar Aspilicueta um, knocking, knocking in the, the turn-around goal with his knee in the second half, so then that, so then that, that shows, that shows how Chelsea probably are a team who thrive on chaos, 
And as you know, with, with, with what they've been through, they have been able to win almost all their games that they've been able to play with their with probably their last their last un, unfortunate um their last unfortunate results coming against Liverpool in the Carabao final. So it was it was a it was a it was a it was a very very um normal game. Chelsea Chelsea weren't weren't playing in third or fourth gear by then they they had to they had to maintain a level of professionalism so that the game did not get out of their hands and that was what Thomas Thomas Tuchel, sorry, and his men were able to do at the end of the day. Definitely. And now we have the eight teams for the next stage of the competition. Tomorrow is the draw. What do you expect as the draw takes place tomorrow in the city of Neon in Switzerland? Well, all I all I expect is what what we have seen so far. Just more good games, um, more results, more shocking results. Probably some 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 underdogs. Some underdogs should should put the should put the big boys to the sword. But then we hope we hope that we hope that we 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 get we get another great Champions League season on our hands, and we just keep on enjoying the game we love the most as football fans around the world. Definitely. As always, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Mr. Kowa. It's also been a pleasure with my dearest listeners, Araba, Rudy Garcia, and Jeff. Thank you so much for doing the listening. As always, it's always a joy to come to you with today's episode. Tomorrow, will come your way with the explainer, which is the full detail of the current situation Chelsea Football Club is going through. I'm going to give you all the details and nitty-gritties and the background of club owner Roman Abramovich and how Roman Abramovich made his money and how he bought Chelsea right here on the show tomorrow exclusively on the UEFA Champions League. I would be giving you all the details. Share with a friend. Tell a friend and tell a friend and bring a friend to the show. As always, it's a pleasure. Have a good evening. <music>